Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What in the good Lord's name happened to the Celtics? Are the Cavs going to win in six? What does the future of the game look like? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast slash live show slash NBA conversation with Dave Dufour and Coach Nick. Uh, glad to have you back here, Dave, although I'm ready to burn it down after watching that Cleveland Cavaliers Boston Celtics game four. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm ready for it. I want to hear. Okay, so here's the thing: when you get to the conference finals, you're supposed to be playing your best basketball. I want to see two teams that are very talented, very well coached, go at each other in good games. And by the way, you could kind of have this argument in the other side too. But at the very least, like you know, neither of these teams played that well tonight. I didn't think uh, it was it was ridiculous that the Cavaliers weren't up by 35 points after the, in midway through the second quarter. That game was over halfway through the first. The second the Celtics came out and they missed layup, missed layup. They looked tentative. They looked scared. It was over. Um, I don't I don't tolerate that, especially for a guy like Al Horford who did not look like he wanted to touch the ball. He looked like he would have ran away on the other side of the court if he could have. Uh, and he's a guy who's played a lot of playoff games with a lot of experience. How are the young guys supposed to react when he is playing that way? Uh, it's just really, really frustrating. And again, I'm not like a, a Cavaliers hater or a Celtics fan or whatever. I just want good basketball. I want players who deserve to be there and play like they deserve to be there. Didn't happen tonight. Uh, there were a few plays to me that that sort of typified this game. Uh, the three missed dunks in the first quarter by the yeah. by the Celtics. I think we're we're just. And that's exactly what the issue has been, right? Like, like just missing gimmies. Um, and then the play in the, I think it was the fourth quarter, where uh, Aaron Baines managed to get the offensive rebound after the scrum and had no one behind him, and Al Horford's pointing at him to turn around and try to score. And that play in and of itself, if you just showed that as the highlight, it would describe exactly how Boston has played in the last two games. They're chickens with their heads cut off. The, the only guy who looks like he's comfortable at all is Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah. And even, and, he, even he had a couple moments, but yeah, he was getting fouls. He was being aggressive. But what? how about this? I didn't even mention, saving the basketball under your own basket is a mistake in seventh grade basketball, and they did it twice. And twice. LeBron made a great play. LeBron made a great play, but just dumb. No, and he, but he had another guy to save it to who was not, not under the basket. At least it would have been knocked out of bounds or whatever. But, okay, fine. LeBron did make a good play, but you shouldn't ever be throwing the ball like that. The first one, though, by Marcus Smart, where he throws a, a behind the back uh, that gets stolen. I mean, Marcus Smart was, was so bad tonight. Uh, on both ends of the floor, uh, just out of just out of sync, out of sorts. I don't know what he was doing. Uh, defensively, just fouling. Uh, offensively, he could not take a good shot or make a good shot. Uh, it was 
you know, and, and again, it's so weird because, of course, I did a video saying why the Cavs can't beat the Celtics, right? They looked like world beaters. They looked well coached. Everything that I'm complaining about right now, they had. And yet uh, they go on the road. I mean, is it really all that is? Are we really going to see them turn around 180 degrees in the game five? Because I don't think so. Well, so this was going to be my question for you is how much of this is that they're on the road? Um, and right now, you you know, aside from Horford, you basically have a, a team of role players and, and young guys. Um, do you think that this is more sort of the wheels have fallen off and and the emperor, you know, like <laughs> doesn't have his clothes anymore, right? Um, and now they've been exploited, and this is just what they are for the rest of the series. If so, my Cavs in six prediction still stands. So. Right. I, you know what? I, I, I'm, that's what I'm thinking right now. I don't think the, the Celtics can win another game playing that way because you, you got to see a glimpse or two in the game tonight of something. Now, here's the thing. They hung around. So Celtics fans should take heart, I guess, because they hung around. And I almost had moments of like, oh, my God, this is under 10 with whatever to go. They could steal this thing. But that was maybe for 10 seconds I thought that and was like, no, they couldn't because they couldn't stop LeBron. They could not get their defensive rotations. I mean, that's the other thing is they look so good defensively. Um, in at home, and is that the kind of thing that disappears? I understand shooting bad or turning the ball over maybe when you're on offense, but like, how does the defense fall, fall apart on the road? I don't get that. But let me just so let's 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 spotlight something because I thought Tyron Lue or whoever did came up with a great adjustment to the scram switching. I don't know if I guess if they call it the NBA. I don't know if I like it, but I guess it's because they want the the guy who's in the mismatch to scram. But nonetheless, Rozier on LeBron and they were able to bump him off. I use the bump. I like that. But either way, they like, they're able to bump him off of the big to negate the mismatch. So what did the, the Cavaliers do is they were now forcing the switch in the middle of the floor near the free throw line. You can't bump him off there because LeBron will just throw the ball for a layup. So a really great way of adjusting to that because what we tried seeing them to do in game three was that one of the times they dove LeBron to the basket on a cut on that one. I think it was when Love got the switch. Uh, and that got they got a, a three from them, but it wasn't a really good spacing. This was a really good inspired move for them, and it really screwed up their rotations. Now – they did get some good bumping on when the ball was in the side and, the, and LeBron was going down low. But then I know we, I, we caught uh, Rozier on one of them going to the wing instead of the corner. And he got there, but this is Corver who's opening the corner. Corver, wide open. That was actually the play I was thinking of, the scram switch. And, and essentially, Rozier got lost on the, on the, the bump. Um, and, and you just can't do it. Not with LeBron and not with Kevin Love and Kyle Corver. Right. And it, that, that one, in my mind, should be pretty easy because you know where all the pieces are in that alignment with the offense. So he should simply be turning around. And by the way, it's not easy because you got to turn around and then all of a sudden all hell is breaking loose behind you. But you're supposed to turn around and you should just sprint to the corner. Literally, like, almost if there's no one there, just do it anyway. That's like that, that's where you're going because you know the guy guarding the guy in the corner who was probably Tatum is going to rotate up because he's already he's much lift, closer right. in lift. And so um, – those kind of rotations seem pretty simple. Now, I I, did, I got to watch it again to see if we if they screwed it up a couple other times. Now, I do know they did one um, when Rozier got switched on to LeBron at the end and just, like, left him and, like, hey, smart, you go get him. And smart was not in a position to do that. It wasn't There was no communication there. And well, LeBron hits the dagger that ended the game, you know, the game was over in the, in the first half. So, um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you really think it's something about, you know, you, can your defense – can you play poor defense in the road because you're on the road? 
I think you can. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I never subscribed to Home and Road. I, I really think that that stuff is overrated, but I'm not playing in the NBA. <laughs> I'm yeah. not coaching in the NBA. So, may I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. I, I do know that the Celtics were significantly worse on the road uh, after Kyrie or without Kyrie. Uh, they were 22-8 and eight on the road with Kyrie. Um, okay. So, you know, there's there's something there. Um, they definitely miss Kyrie. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they they certainly needed somebody who um, could make the, uh, the the Cavaliers pay. Now, what does it say to you about the Cavaliers that they could not pull away from this team playing this bad as they did? Now, I'll get granted, the Celtics hit some threes and they did some nice things to kind of keep around, but um, the so the volume of bad plays was was bad. And it, but it was also the, just the level of how bad it was by the Celtics. Some of those plays were just so bad. And yet, yeah, the Cavaliers couldn't pull away. I think it kind of – I don't know what it speaks to, but I think it was just an ugly, bad basketball game, wouldn't you say? You know, especially because right now we're, we're having – every other day we're having this, you know, beautiful basketball. And, and you know, in mixed in between we're having kind of these ugly games. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that contrast sort of, sort of creates that – yeah. Makes it worse, right? But it was definitely ugly. It was it was not there was nothing aesthetically pleasing about it at all. Um, but I will say the Cavs look like they figured something out. They you know, maybe Ty Lu listened to the show, heard what we said about getting Tristan Thompson out there, having a guy who's a willing screener who will screen for anyone and who will get big on the boards is huge when yeah. when you're being out hustled, which is what happened in the first the first two games of the series, they were being outworked yeah. and Tristan Thompson can get, at least give you that, you know, like he, what he lacks in skill, he makes up for an effort. So um, I, I got to fire up the box score here because I want to see what they finish. Cause I know uh, Brown, let's see here. Jalen Brown finished uh, 10 for 23, 25 points, six rebounds, two assists. Yeah, he was troubling to me because he had a lot of moments too where I felt like he was uh, just you know taking some really bad shots, getting stuck you know with yeah, the yips. Yeah, you know, and okay, there's a little contact. You're on the road, like you're not gonna get those calls. You got to finish, right. and he wasn't doing that. Uh, but independent of that, he, his numbers weren't that bad. Al Horford is a great example. You know, five for thirteen. Of course, he's got a plus two. <laughs> it's like improbable. I don't know how. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of want to burn it down on the ground for, for the Cavs, too, just because they a good team wins by 25 points against the way the Celtics were playing in there at home. I, I, you know, I just can't I can't fathom it. I do want to make a point because my buddy Joel was listening to the podcast yesterday and was and, and, and heard a point that we made that we thought he thought we should have expanded upon that went by, by too quickly, which was. Um, and you mentioned the beautiful basketball over in the Western Conference. Remember, we've had a lot of blowouts there, too. It's been up and down. And my point I made yesterday was that um, when you rely on threes, and you know, let's just face it, all these teams are taking a ton of threes, right? Even the Celtics took 28, Cavs took 23. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's not going to be often when you get both teams like hitting, right? And so you're going to have these wild swings. One team's going to win by 30, the next team's going to win by 30. Um, and that's frustrating because that's the future of basketball where we're heading. And I, I don't know if the numbers would ever say like, you know, you're going to, you're going to, how many games out of seven are you going to get when they're actually going to align and they're both going to be shooting well? Yeah. I mean, probably not a ton. Um, just like, you know, I mean, an 82 game season, uh, how many games do you get where both teams are hitting? It, it doesn't happen often. Right. Um, but again, I think that as this becomes more the norm, you're going to see adjustments. We've already seen some adjustments. Uh, you and I talk about this all the time. Despite the fact that more players are shooting more threes, 
and and the league average goes up, the shooting percentage has stayed about the same. Right. So I think that what you're going to find is it's going to it's going to get to the point where you're going to start seeing guys take advantage of the market inefficiency, and they're gonna they're gonna start stepping in and hitting those open mid rangers. And this is where like Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, he made a living there this year. Right. Yeah. Oh, so how about Kevin Durant? How about even Clay took some more? I mean, the, the, the Warriors as a team took a lot more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's my point on that. You watch Kyle Korver. You watch Kevin Durant. You watch these good shooters all shoot from 15 to 18 feet or 19 feet. That is a there. I, if it's open, there's no other shot sort of a layup that's, as that would have the same expected field goal percentage in my mind. I don't. I just don't see it. You know, even an open three, you get the extra point, but I still feel like that that 18 footer when Kyle Korver's open. I mean, it's it's a layup for him almost. Uh, and same with all the other guys that are in that in that category. So um, you know, we've taken this macro sense of why the long two is inefficient, and I think it's a, a little bit of a myopic view. Yeah, so uh, Jason Ragland in the Periscope chat asked if we should move the three-point line back. Um, I don't think we should, but I do think we should make the court wider and eliminate the corner three. Ah, so, so well, but are you of the, the idea that the corner three is a higher percentage because it's closer? Well, it's closer, but it's also the way that the offenses are designed to take advantage of it, right? So I'm just saying you, you create more space, um, Kind of, and it might make it even easier for these offenses, uh, but it could make it more difficult. It's a harder pass to make, right? Like that that wing pass to the opposite corner that we see LeBron throw all the time. It gets yeah. a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, that's that is true. And again, the, the the whole conception of a corner three, if you're going to shoot it, almost guarantees that you're going to be open to some degree. Like that's sort of right. the point because there's nobody close. You can't close out from the out of bounds. No one's coming from that direction or behind you. So. You're kind of, if you're getting the ball and catching it there clean, most likely it's because you have two or three steps on the defender before you're going to get there. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. But is, would the goal of moving it back to, to – is, is that the goal is to lower the three-point percentage or just to make, make them take no, less? No, I, I think they want to make it take less. So here's what right. you wind up with. If you, if you, let's say you take the three-point line back to 25 feet, okay, and we widen the court so you can go 25 feet all the way around. Uh, so now what you've got is you're going to have a lot of layups because there are tons of guys that can shoot the 25-footer. You're going to have to guard it, and now there's even more space for the defense to cover. And so they're going to they're going to be able to attack the basket at will. Yeah. No, and that's interesting because that that changes the game pretty radically. Uh, but I, yeah. but again, the layup line. I, I just don't know if I it will like what the game is headed to if we don't do that and we continue to take forty and fifty threes a game, even if they start shooting better at that point. Um, remember what happens when the miss three it happens? It's a long rebound and you get out on the break and you give up right. you know, open, open shots that way. So you know it, it, there is a no- notion. Excuse me. There's notion of um, success rate in the possessions, and if you're going to, you know, bank on the forty percent of the threes, which by the way, you're not, you're, you know, you're not going to shoot forty, you can shoot thirty-five, whatever that is, um, and and a lot of those are runouts. You know, that that isn't good necessarily. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I, I think that that's a, a real issue we got to keep our eye on. And if there's a way to kind of, and by the way, if you did move it back, then yeah, there will, there's going to be uh, how many? What percentage of the of players would would take less threes? I would think. 30% maybe 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 you know a third a third would have to take less because it is that it's too far now 25 what is it now 23 9 yeah 23 
So you want to do yeah. another foot, foot and three inches? I don't want to do anything. I want to leave it where it is, and I want to leave the short corner. I'm just saying, like, if we're throwing ideas out there, the other thing is maybe take it to the feeble line, which is even closer, which gives the defense a chance to actually run more guys off the line because they're having to cover less distance. Now, yeah. again, if you play a team like the Rockets, they're shooting 25-footers anyway. So you're not – where are you running them off of? And, and so th- this is almost an unsolvable problem until you get people coming up with more – uh, creative defensive schemes. This is where, I, and I know you love the amoeba, but this is where the amoeba can actually be yeah. useful against these three-point shooting teams. Yeah, there's a lot of running in amoeba, though, which is uh, why you might not be able to do it for more than you know two or three possessions in a row over sure. the course of whatever. But still, as a way to mix it up, for sure. I, I, that was my favorite part of the amoeba was that teams would think they were playing zone or they think they'd be playing man. They, they wouldn't even know what we were playing. It was so confusing to them, and it's just a series of closeouts. So. Um, yeah, there's there's something there for sure that they're going to have to come up with. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Certainly the notion of switching off the uh, the pick and rolls to eliminate the mismatches is going to be a thing. And then doing the scram switch too. I think every team's going to start to adopt that and make it their normal base defense. So yeah, there, there's going to be stuff that's going to change from this playoffs, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're, I mean, we're watching it happen live, which is awesome. Yes. Now, what are we saying about this whole uh, series? You think it's uh, the Cavs and Six? They're going to sweep them that last four games. It feels that way. It feels like they they turned a corner in Game Three, and you know, beyond just hitting shots again, their defense looks better. And and it could just be that Boston's execution has just been so bad that it's really making Cleveland look really good. And I and maybe it's it's part of it. But I think Tristan Thompson has been a huge contributor. I think Kevin Love is playing some of the best defense I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. And and LeBron is even locked in because he's getting help on the offensive end. And that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and he had a couple moments where he, he protected the rim, LeBron, on defense. But uh, there was also a lot of moments where he just is standing around watching, not even like taking a step in the direction where he could have held. It's just that, that frustrates me to no end as well. But then again, I'm sure he's looking at the score, and they're up by 12 or 14 or 15. Right. And so it's like, what is the difference? And by the way, it, there wasn't much difference because they missed the, those shots. They, they missed like how many dunks? Uh, I don't know. A lot it of dunks. Was three in the first quarter, and then I, and I don't yeah. know. It, it was, was probably a five because I know they missed one in the second half, and then there's one after that. So, uh, it, you know, it, it was bad. Let's go to the comments and see what kind of questions we might be having here to get everybody involved in the Periscope. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Alex27K is a good point. When the game should be a blowout, but you can't resist playing Jeff Green. That was one reason why. Uh, <laughs> there's just little things. And Jeff Green, like, he got away with he He attacked on the catch. And, like, travel. They didn't even call it. But it was like, I think he knew he traveled. So it turned into, like, a real hesitation of a hesitant kind of move. He threw a ball to LeBron, who was cutting the basket open behind him. And LeBron almost, you know this play? He reached back behind him and then kind of almost tipped it in out of the air. Yeah, it was would amazing. Have, it would have been one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. Because not any, but nobody else would even have the presence of mind to try and even get the ball in the basket from there. And they ended up getting a tip in or a put back, I think, anyway off of that. But like Kevin like, Love got it or something? Yeah, and it's like, so Jeff Green, you know, come on, man. What are you doing out there? Uh, and that was a big reason, I think, why uh, the, the Cavaliers were struggling. I, I can say that he can't play any more than 20 minutes, and I know that he played exactly 20 minutes when somebody asked me about it, and I'm checking now. Yeah, he looked like he played exactly 20 minutes. That is the end-all, be-all. No more than that and probably even less at this point. Um, let's see here. Ben Luxon says, Celtics contracted the Houston syndrome and left so many points at the rim. Uh, they certainly did. Now, th- that's a big deal, right? I mean, 
how many points did they leave at the at, around the basket? Twenty. I don't know. I mean, it was again three missed dunks in, just in the first quarter. Yeah, they they missed so much. I mean, uh, Jalen Brown got blocked yeah. twice by Kyle Korver in one possession. Yeah, um, it's it just you know these are the sorts of this is the difference between a championship level team and one that isn't. Right, is that you take advantage of the easy ones, right? Like you score on the easy buckets. And as we saw uh, with Houston last night, and we saw with Boston tonight, if you don't capitalize, the team, the the, the better team, the team with more experience, is going to take advantage of that. And you know, yeah, the team with LeBron. <laughs> so uh, for sure, what, yeah. And then FF shooters even said hung around. It felt like it was thirty, and it did. It was like I was sitting there angry. I was angry watching. <laughs> that's what I was bad. It was. Uh, almost the point was like, man, I could be watching Deadpool 2 right now. That, that's where I'm at right now. Is you whenever, haven't seen it yet? I have not, and it's killing me. So it's um, so good. Like I it's almost so like good. might have to go tomorrow. I, I might actually have time where I can't go to get back. Man. Right, because I have to be in the. I'm shooting tomorrow. There's some cool stuff, uh, by the way, uh, on the on court. I'm, I'm going to have like two and a half hours between I have to, before I have to pick up my kid. And it's like, I don't want to go all the way home and then come all the way back to get him. So uh, I'll definitely go watch Deadpool. Yeah. And then, and then lie to my wife and tell her I didn't see it and then go see it again, I guess. Well, don't lie to your wife. All right. That's, just, that's just, not a good idea. Just say, don't worry, honey. I'll go see it again. Yeah. Um, all right. Hashtag don't get divorced. Um, that's right. Let's see here. Ben Luxon asks, what do you guys think is the deal with the 180 degree performance from both teams this series? Because the Cavaliers, they weren't. You know what? They played pretty bad on the road too in the in the Indiana series. Right, they did. And I mean, look, they're going to go back to Boston, so we'll, we'll have some more answers after that, right? Did they figure it out, or is this just a home road split thing? Yeah. And and this is the tricky part. And we talked about this a little bit. This is the tricky part about this sort of series, where you know the first two games, Boston showed up and Cleveland didn't. Second second two games. Cleveland shows up and Boston didn't. Right. I can't, now we're even. There's not only so much we can glean from it. Um, we can we can look at the little stuff, but the big picture stuff, we really don't know until game five. Right. That's true. Game, and game five will decide who wins the series. That's the, that's without question. So. Without question. So. And I think that's, that's actually, I'm not even making that up. That's true, right? That's like a 90-something percent at game five. It's, it's pretty high, yeah. yeah. So, Although um, 2-0, 2-0 was 93.6%. So. Yeah, that's true too. Well, I yeah, I, I, game five, I would think if in a two-two series would be almost, if not the same, higher at this point. But um, yeah, we have to wait and see what's going on here. Let's see here. Uh, Jason Raglan asks, why do role players seem to always play better at home in the playoffs? And we've seen articles about this, and they've talked about home cooking or better sleep, or you're used to the rims and the background and all that stuff, and they get the crowd cheering you on. And I mean, I guess all of the above, right? Yeah, I think so. Sleeping in your own bed, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know why. Yeah. And then so, I, here's the yeah. thing. You know, I made this point. Terry Rozier plays really, really great in Boston and on the road. I think he plays more like a role player. And, and I can't remember who said this, but someone responded to me. And if you're in the Periscope, raise your hand. But uh, you are the player that you play as on the road. That's the difference in the NBA is that superstars show up at home and on the road. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if there's a psychological thing or what there is. But yeah. I mean, something. it's definitely a psychological component to that because you don't feel as comfortable. And that's, you know, it's just nature. PJ8523 tells me that I look like I've been stranded at the airport for three days. I, I guess I'm going to shave. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shave tomorrow before I film my stuff. Man, don't let these people pressure you. 
All right. I, I haven't gotten a haircut. That's also the other problem. I need a haircut, but I kind of haven't wanted to get one. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Um, any other questions you see here in the, in the Periscope we can grab? And by the way, well, we can talk about the Warriors for a minute. Oh, we can? Yeah, let's talk about them. The Warriors. Right, here's a good, actually, here's a good question from Quantum Cloud One. Is Brad Stevens a bad offensive coach? Ooh, no. But they're not executing what he's, they were, right? We know what they have. They demonstrated to us great ball movement, attacking on the catch, spread offense, really you know, understanding how to attack. However, in the last two games, they have not attacked it with, with purpose. I feel like they haven't understood how to get love involved better, although they do it, but it just doesn't feel like they're maximizing that stuff. So what do you think? I, I, think, I don't think it's Stevens. Oh, well, they did not have a good offense during the regular season. Um, they were yeah. somewhere between like 18 and 20th in the league, something okay. like that. So, with so, that in mind, do maybe maybe they over maybe they they outperform themselves in the games one and two, just like you know. Maybe they did. You know, this is this is why we need game five. Okay, we need game five. Yeah. Uh, Jason Ragland's watching the game with her ten, with a 10 year old daughter trying to teach her defense, but LeBron stands around. Yes. Deadpool 1 wasn't a good movie. Right. It was a great movie. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. And yeah. Deadpool 2 is better, it's right? Better. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. I cannot wait. Don't ruin it for me. Someone's going to ruin it for me. I'm sure he did. I don't think he dies at the end, but oh. <laughs> Nonetheless, I won't ruin any other movies then. Uh, thank you, Dixon Powell, who wants to say that I look hot. All right. Um, so I, who's winning the series? I, right now, I'm so mad. I'm, I think that I'm, I'm hate predicting. I'm going to say the Cavaliers are going to win it. I think I wasn't. I, by, by, by the way, I did a freaking video saying why the Cavs can't win. And right. I'm, it's a 180 now. And I don't think that they're going to win. I think that they've got the momentum and everything's on their side now. So the basketball think, gods are on their side. I think they're going to win. Yeah. Uh, is Steve Kerr the best head coach in the NBA? No. He's up there. Greg Popovich. Yeah. Well, let's just see what happens in game five. <laughs> How about that? I'm ready to anoint Brad Stevens the best, but uh, let's just see if, if he can't get him. I'm not. I, 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 no, I don't. That's not me. Really? Uh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, until until someone else does it for as long and is oh, okay. in, in many different him. ways. I, I just think, like, Greg Popovich has shown that he can do this with any sort of team. Okay, so he you're, has changed so right. much, right? But, but, you, but the argument then is, okay, it doesn't matter what anybody else does until they get to X amount of years. Well, not even that. I just need to see more than, you know, however long we've seen with them. And, you know, I, I, I frankly, I am less impressed with Brad Stevens than, than most people are. I don't think he's this sort of wizard. Um, he has some, some nice plays that he's taken from other people. By the way, it's what coaches do. We all do it. Yeah. Um, and he's very good at picking the right time to use it and attacking matchups, and that's fantastic. I've got some issues with how he runs his rotations. I don't think that they're very good. Um, you know, and, and like you like you pointed out in your great video about Game Three, there was some panic coaching there, and, and I, I don't think that you know the best coach in the league is not going to panic coach. Right. Uh, fair enough. Well, yeah. uh, like you want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the um, Warriors and the Rockets a little bit, or. You know, or did we talk about him already? I don't feel like we did. We talked about him last night. Oh, we did. <laughs> we did, and then I got the video done today. Uh, yes, yeah. you're right. I forgot. I don't even know what day it is now. I'm. You know what I am? I am Baines getting that rebound and not turning around and looking at the yeah. basket. I literally this thought is... he didn't know which way they were going. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, kind of right. Like he just I, sort of I don't froze. Know. 
It was weird. That, but that play right there, that is exactly what's happened to them in the last two games. Yeah, confusion, uh, fear, whatever you want to call it. There's all that stuff. So, uh, swoosh addict one asks, how many seasons does Popovich have left? Good question. Now his wife passed know. away. And he might want to lose himself in his job and actually just continue to coach. So that could give him more years than he was. Because he's already, he's like 60-something. He's almost 70. Almost 70. So that's, that's you know, I would think that he's going to coach another, like, couple, two or three, right? I hope. Yeah. I mean, they're in good shape. I mean, they, Messina could take over, and they probably wouldn't miss much of a beat. Uh-oh. Probably. That, probably. All right. You're not a notorious Messina fan? No, I think, I think... We don't know, you know. I I think with most of most of these assistants, we don't really know. Messina has a really great track record, though. Are you are you a Loggins and Messina fan? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Good. Welcome (laughs) to the danger zone. Right. Well, actually, that's not. Wait, did Messina is he part of that? No, it was just Loggins. Just Loggins. Yeah, it was Loggins. Right. We got to get back to this. Is it? Um, okay, right, my glasses still not fixed. I was almost about to go. You know, here's a really cruel joke: was that these glasses, which I paid, I think, a lot of money for, they're prescription, but they turned out they're like they're reading glasses. I could go to a drugstore and buy thirty dollar, twenty dollar pair of reading glasses, and apparently they'll be the same. So I'm gonna go to the drugstore tomorrow and buy them because yeah, these are still broken and it's embarrassing. Um, serious question: Is Golden State Warriors the, uh, the best team ever? Um, I mean, if they win this year, I, I I would have no problem anointing them that 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 title, right? I think I think certainly from a talent standpoint, it's it's impossible to put any team above them. Uh, this four year run that they've been on is right up there with any other team. What Iggy uh, injury did I miss, by the way? Oh, he t- he took a a knee to his knee, so he's going to be out tomorrow night. They're probably going to start Kavon Looney. Ooh, okay, they're going to go a little bit bigger. Yeah, and Kavon Looney's been really a thorn in the Rocket side. He really has been playing really good defensively, uh, and can finish when he gets the ball down there. So uh, that's interesting. So no more Hamptons five. Yeah, for a game. I think they'll be okay. I don't know how huge it is. I mean, I know that obviously defensively, and, and he's got the experience, but um, you know his offense. Like he he is so scary to shoot around the basket um, that that like it, it's kind of a, an issue that causes them problems. So. Um, Let's see here. Does Jay, Jay, Jay Varela asks, do you think that Kerr purposely puts the Warriors in situations to get them to fight through it? I don't think he does that in the playoffs. You can't afford no, to be no. messing around. Maybe in the regular no, season. I think, yeah. I think it's a thing during the regular season, but I don't know about the playoffs. You know, I like something that we, we'll talk about this summer, um, but I've got, I've got some concerns about this team going forward from a motivation standpoint. Yeah. And I worry about Co- uh, Kerr as the coach um, after they've had all this success, especially if they win another title. Like, how does he continue to motivate this team? You know, how, like, right. how do you get them to get up for anything? Yeah. Right? Or they just, they, they trade clay and they kind of radically mix it up to get, to give them that, you know, difference that can change things up. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Cause you know, Pat Riley went the other way and just was a hard driving and even harder and harder. And I ultimately think if you step back from that and you realize it probably wasn't the best idea. Um, to do it that way either. But then again, it might not be the way, you know, the way Kerr is doing it either. So, and it might simply be, there is just no way. You win your, you go through your run and the run ends and it could be very unceremonious and just boom, you're gone. And it could happen with LeBron. Like LeBron, who knows? They lose the Cavs and maybe, let's say the Cavs lose the series and they never, they, they never win another playoff series. Right? And LeBron, yeah. LeBron finishes his career. Let's say he stays in Cleveland and he finishes his career. 
and you know, in the last two years of his career, he does not win a playoff series. I mean, that that would be insane. It's impossible. But like, it, that's that's what the NBA is like. You know, it could happen overnight, and that's it, and it's gone. Yeah. So exactly why I'm not worried about them killing the NBA. Right. All right. Well, listen, I think we've killed the NBA for one night and for one show. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. I think we shot about 55 threes on this show, though. Yeah, right. I, and I, and I, was, I, I, lit a, I lit a couple fires in the dumpsters, uh, threw some Molotov cocktails. So I've already uh, got someone asking me to explain my, my Brad Stevens rotations take. And your video on game three was, was a great example. Like Yabuselli yeah. going in there for some. Yeah. There yeah. you go. You know, and listen, the matchup alchemy is a very fickle potion that it's not easy to solve. And nobody can, you can't go to any class or any kind of clinic to learn about who you're supposed to put in and when and how that's supposed to work. So that's a tough one either way. Uh, But I'm developing some ideas, by the way. I think I'm going to, if I, the next team I coach, I might design it where it's almost like hockey, where I have my lines and they all, and you know what role you're in and you know exactly when you're going to check in and when check out and just literally that no, no other substitutions. If you got four fouls in the first quarter, like, I don't care. It's like, we're going to stick to that. Um, I think, but either way, I'm, I'm thinking about that because I think there's some interesting stuff going on there where you can then plug. Then guys will know what their role is, and you know if you play, you, you can play ten guys and they all get you know some decent minutes. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm gonna think about it. Yeah. So that's what that's what I like to do. I like to know like my my players kind of knew when they were going into the game. Right. Yeah. I, and I, if I, they were yeah. hot. Now yeah. I, I don't believe uh, in the hot hand, but if they were hot, I would never pull them. Right. Okay. Well, that means yeah. you believe in the hot hand. And, and by the I way, don't believe in it. But, the answer, well, the answer is that there is a hot hand. Yes, there is. Mouth. There is. There is a hot hand. It's there. You know, I also, yes. I also didn't like to pull people after a mistake. I like to, you know, at least give them one more play. Either you know, pull them on a victory or uh, or at least a, a solid possession. And then- Absolutely. But by the way, yeah. what happens when you sub the guy in and he's waiting at the table and then he makes the mistake and then he comes out and it looks like you took him out because of that right. and he's already there and you have to explain that. That happens to me sometimes and that's always a frustration. But nonetheless, Dave, great to have you here. We're like kicking ass and taking names with these, these shows every night. We'll be back here, I guess, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow night. Don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel or a conversation. You win? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>